and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today is Ascension Sunday. When we consider the story that we heard in Scripture, when the resurrected Jesus, having made appearances to his disciples, showing them his wounds and his feet and his hands, and eating with them, making sure that they understood that he was no longer dead, but truly living. And then we hear the story of how he commissions them to go into all the world with the message that he has been teaching about their God, with the good news of God's radical grace and eternal love for all people. And then suddenly Jesus is taken up into heaven, bringing his own earthly ministry to a close. Around the world in churches, you can find very literal expressions in art of this scene, sometimes of just two feet dangling at the bottom of a cloud. But today we take care not to try to interpret this story too literally. We don't want to get caught up in wondering what first century form of spacecraft rocketed Jesus into the third dimension. We learn from this story that this is the moment, though, when Jesus was united with God, his Father, and sits at God's right hand, now sharing equally in God's power and glory. But these facts are not the main point of this story. If it were, the other Gospels of Matthew, John, and Mark would likely have told us about this story as well. Luke is the only one that, that gives some meat to it. So we look at what Luke is doing with these passages in the Gospel and the companion book of Luke, the Acts of the Apostles. Religion professor David Cunningham points out that Luke's aim with this story is to make space so that the mission of the church can begin. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. As long as Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, remained in the world, then all eyes and hearts would remain fixed on him and only where he was. With Jesus ascended, there's now space made for the events at Pentecost, which is when the promised Holy Spirit of God came down upon the disciples, empowering them to go out into the world, and the church began. You'll hear more about Pentecost next Sunday. In the Acts passage, all of this is confirmed, where we see where Luke does not want his audience to focus. As Jesus disappeared in the cloud, we're told, the disciples stood there, looking up heavenward. And suddenly two men in white robes appeared and said, You Galileans, why are you standing there looking up? This Jesus has left, but he will come again just as mysteriously as you saw him go. Why are we standing here? That is a question asked by an art history professor in Vienna named Frau Spitzmuller. She was my professor many moons ago when I did a summer term in Vienna, Austria. She took a group of us students out for a walking tour to learn some things in Vienna. Why are you standing here, she said. 
She brought us to a stop on the sidewalk. And the, we all looked around at each other. We looked around ourselves and we looked at her. No one answered her. And finally she said, When in Vienna, always remember to look up. If you don't, you may miss something very worth knowing. And so we did look up, and the building in front of us had two Austrian flags high up on top, marking it as an historical site. And then we discovered those flags were all over the city. So every time we went out, we remembered to look for those flags, and we learned some things worth knowing. If we had kept our heads down walk, watching the sidewalk or people watching, or today I would have been watching my cell phone, I'm sure, we would have missed some monuments that told stories, some buildings that told stories about people who graced the world with beauty and wonder, bringing a slice of awe of heaven right here to earth. People like Beethoven and Haydn and Mozart, Sigmund Freud and Albert Einstein and Viktor Frankl. The disciples were standing there looking up. Since Jesus was taken up there, surely that's where heaven was, wasn't it? But Jesus' ministry was not meant for just one place and one time back then and there at first century Palestine. Just as the disciples' ministry was not meant for just that time and place either. With Jesus' departure up there, the disciples were not called to keep their eyes fixed up there and their hearts fixed on the Jesus that went up there. The two men in white call for those disciples to not forget to look down, to look around, to take their upward gaze from heaven and make sure they see all around them, otherwise they would miss a lot of things worth knowing. A lot of places and people to whom Jesus sent them to bring the beauty of God. What is heaven? And where is heaven? In the words of one Jesuit priest who's commented on this scripture today, he says, heaven is not a place at all. It's not somewhere above the sky of New York City or Beijing or Cincinnati, nor is hell someplace down there. Heaven is our relationship with God. Just as hell can be thought of as a severing of our relationship with God. Heaven is where God is, so to be with God at any time is to be in heaven. Why are you standing there looking up? The two men in white say. Listen, this is your next move. To stay here in Jerusalem, for you will receive a power from on high, the promised Holy Spirit of Christ, God's very breath that animates your hearts and mind, that animates the heart of the world. This spirit will give wisdom and courage to you so that you can proclaim everything that Jesus taught and do everything that Jesus did to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to bring life to where there is death in the world, and above all, to proclaim the good news of a change of heart and mind, a total life change that comes with God's forgiveness. So in other words, those two men in white say, 
Stop standing there looking up and get ready to receive heaven. I shared a conversation recently with a Knox member who is going through a difficult time as a mother. One of her adult children is really hurting and dealing with a severe illness, and the doctors have yet to find a solution or a path forward. In an effort to claim hope, she said, I guess God doesn't give us any more than we can handle, right? Well, we talked about those words and what they really meant. Many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with that expression. Many people believe those words are in the Bible, though they're not. In fact, we will all face challenges, big ones, in our human journey that are too big for us to handle on our own. And it is not God who gives us challenges to see how we will do, to see if we will pass or fail any test of faith or obedience. And life's challenges may in and of themselves feel like tests of faith and challenge our hope and our resolve to go on. Isn't what we really want to know is that we are not separated from God. What we really want to know is that we're not experiencing hell, that separation. Those words that God doesn't give us more than we can handle remind me of the importance to claim what is true, the promise of ascension. Always, that when we face overwhelming difficulty and pain in our lives, It is not our strength or lack of our strength that will dictate whether we pass or fail on the journey. When Jesus told the disciples to wait for a power that was greater than themselves, not a power that promised fantastical feats, not a power that promised that life would be free of suffering at last and joyful at all times, but what they were told to wait for was the power of God's presence. Its presence were promised. The power of abiding love, which is the greatest power in the world, and able to give us all kinds of strength, the kind that at our core we truly long for. Jesus said, I do not give to you as the world gives. It is my peace I give to you. In this world you will have troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. God's presence with us, our relationship with God, heaven on earth, is what we are promised. And the Apostle Paul teaches us with his own life. He says, in my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. We talked about what is promised in the scriptures, my Knox friend and I, and how those promises are trustworthy, that in any adversity, we have the promise of presence. Friends, we have a mission to carry out. That's why God makes sure we are empowered for it. We're called to go out into the world forgiving one another, beginning in our own homes, as the disciples were to begin in their own homes, there in Jerusalem and in Judea, so too we can and are called to begin right where we are 
with those closest to us if there is need for forgiveness. So we may be free then to go farther out, helping others to learn how to give and receive forgiveness so more people might be free when we receive that beautiful power from on high, we carry out God's beautiful mission that will change the world one person at a time. Where do we find our eyes today? Where are we looking? What is our gaze fixed upon? What is our heart focused on? Are we worried? Are we worn out or afraid or lacking joy for living? Or are we joyful today? Do we see heaven all around us as it surely is if we look? Jesus said, you will receive the breath of heaven. And when I go, remember, I'm still with you to the end of the age. So don't forget to look up. Don't forget to look down and all around, for that is where God is dwelling with you. In every face you meet, when you meet those eyes before you, can you pause to look in those eyes and behold God beholding you with love? When you look in the mirror today, can you look long enough to behold God gazing back at you and smiling? And when you're outside today and you look at all creation, listen and smell and observe and experience God in the beauty and all of that wonder around you. And on this Mother's Day, can you pause and imagine God as our loving parent with perfect and faithful love, gazing at you as a mother gazes at a newborn, as a father gazes at a newborn? delighting in us. Yesterday, while sitting on my side porch contemplating this story and remembering Frau Spitzmuller, that lesson she taught me so many years ago, I found myself, my whole head, just suddenly starting to look up as I recalled. And where my eyes landed, where my gaze landed, was on my next-door neighbor's second-story window, right at the windowsill in the corner where there was a nest and on that nest I saw a mama robin and I got to watch her for a long time sit on her eggs and she was watching me right back occasionally she would stand up look at the eggs and move them around I beheld in that scene a slice of heaven Had I been so earnest in my contemplation and not looked up, I would have missed that. The joy of life around me bringing new life into the world. Friends, may we remember to look up and down and all around. For God has heaven for us to know anew today. God has heaven for us to proclaim to the world in all we say and do. Thanks be to God who loves us forever and always and gives us to one another to journey with and build each other up. May we keep our eyes and hearts open. Thanks be to God. Amen.
seated. Trusting in God's promise to provide and knowing that every good gift comes from God, with thanksgiving, let us return a portion of our life and labor as we receive our offering.